Welcome once again to Devotional. We are going through a series on prayer entitled Pray ER. And in this section, we are starting to explore the Lord's Prayer. So I'm excited to be looking at the first part on today's episode. So we have been exploring how to inject some adrenaline into our prayer life and to revive it. Uh, thus, the name of this series, Pray ER, or the emergency room for our prayers, where we can look at them honestly and see where can we improve so that our prayer lives are alive, so that our prayer life are meaningful and fulfilling. And I, I can think there's no better place than to look at the Lord's Prayer because the, the Lord gave us his prayer not simply because he wanted to but as a response to the disciples request Lord teach us to pray so the disciples felt they also needed uh, something that would help them grow and uh, have a mature fulfilling prayer life and this is what Jesus gave us a model prayer uh, today we're going to be looking at the first part of uh, the Lord's Prayer we've already examined the our Father and how that a plural inclusive um, pronoun is all throughout the prayer us our we and what that means I want us to look at this um, in this episode at the first expression hallowed be your name and that first word hallowed is a very unique word one that we don't use first of all so is we're not very familiar with what it could possibly mean it, the root of it of course is holy and what the actual means, I mean, when you look at the, the Greek um, tense of this verb, it's, it actually could be also translated, may your name be made holy or be declared to be holy, which is an interesting thing to say. God is holy. So we could ask, why, is, wasn't, why doesn't Jesus have a say, the statement, your name is holy? or holy is your name, as many of the Psalms declare. I think it's very intentional that Jesus is beginning in this, in this form, in this way, because it puts a lot of emphasis in our part. Prayer is not simply the utterance of words, but an expression of my life, my purpose, my priorities. Uh, and I express those verbally. And so I'm speaking what I am living or I am speaking what I want to live. So Jesus does not say holy is your name or your name is holy. He says hallowed be your name. May your name be made holy. How can that be? How can I make God's name holy? And I used to tell people, well, it's when you decide to live a life in which people can say, oh, I see you're a Christian. That is must be that must be how God is like. And it was only half the truth or half correct when I would explain that to people. And this insight came to me as I was putting together this program. <laughs> Excuse me. Jesus has set the pattern of us, we and our. And so I was wrong when I would tell people, you know, we have to focus on us and our or we. But when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, somehow I made it singular in which I will make or I will, through my lifestyle choices, show what God's name is like, what it means to be holy. And that is an impossibility. Because when God says, I am holy, 
God, as this described in the Bible, it is not a singular person, but a collective, uh, a unison of three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And one of their attributes, their strong attributes, that falls under that canopy of why God is holy, is that God is one. There's a oneness to their persons, to their collaboration. There's humility in how they relate to one another, deferring honor and wanting to direct attention and glory to the other, not themselves. That is something that makes God holy. When he created humanity, he spoke that, that in that manner, let us make man in our image, identical language to how Jesus wants us to learn to talk to him. So when the Bible tells us, when Jesus tells us in this prayer, that I need to have a purpose, the guiding principle in my life is that in my interaction with other brothers and sisters, with other human beings, but specifically believers, that the world may see a oneness in us that is reflective um, of the oneness of God. Now, Jesus mentions this in Matthew 18 uh, and 20, 18.20, where Jesus says, For where two or three are, are gathered together, in my name, I am there in the midst of them, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Hallowed be your name. And of course, many people will take that, unfortunately, to mean a literal sound or phonetic of, of God's name. But here he's speaking about the character, the nature, and, and, and a way that describes God most specifically is his oneness. In the prayer of Jesus found in John chapter 17, that is a strong theme that runs through that prayer. That's the last prayer Jesus prayed before he goes into Gethsemane. And he places strong emphasis on the desire for the oneness he has with the Father to be manifested with the believers, with the disciples, that they may be. When I'll read it for you, it's John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that's you and me, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The oneness that you and I experience, I pray will be manifested in them so that when the world sees their oneness, they may believe. That is the guiding principle, the, the primal purpose for every believer, that as I interact with other brothers and sisters, the love that unites the heart of the God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that that kind of love can make us one. That is what it means that the name of God be made holy, that the name of God be known, be demonstrated, be revealed through my life, but not me as a unit, as a single isolated island, but me as a collective part of a body of believers. How I treat and relate my brothers and sisters will reveal to the world what holiness means. And holiness is not a, a stoic, you know, I, I walk around like nothing affects me, 
But the very opposite. I will reveal to the world that when um, a church member hurts, when there's a need within the body of Christ, I resonate, I respond, I act. I don't stand and look the other way. I do something about it because what affects one part of the body affects me. It affects us. I have learned to pray our, us, and we. I, I no longer look at life as in the terms of my time and my space, my resources. Rather, I am being educated through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, to love in the way God loves, the way God loves each other, the way that the, the Godhead loves and cares for each other, that kind of love is being manifested in me, and I reflect it, I echo it into the church. And of course, this kind of love will affect your marriage. This kind of love will affect you as a parent. The kind of love that creates a oneness in marriage. Uh, I mean, that is, I think, one of the most powerful manifestations. A family, you know, you grow up with your parents. You you're, are in their homes. There's really no options. But you, when you get married, you are, in essence, meeting a stranger that gradually becomes someone that you love so much that you're willing to change the way you relate to your parents, the way the Bible says it, and a man shall leave his mother and father and unite to his wife, and the two shall be one. That's Genesis chapter 2. That oneness in marriage is the same a oneness that can be experienced within the church as far as concern, care, attention, investment of myself. So it is a powerful way to start praying. It is not just words to be said uh, rotely without really thinking and meditating about it. Jesus wants me to start praying in such a way that I have accepted, embraced the, the primal purpose for my existence as a Christian. And that is this, that the world may see oneness through my values and priorities, how I relate to the church how I relate to my family, how I relate to my wife, that when the world sees that, they may believe. That is the reason why we pray, to learn to love the way God loves, to learn to be and experience that oneness with one another, which to me is powerful because it's not so much a command as it is a promise. God promises, I mean, Jesus prayed that this would happen to you and me. And that should give us great confidence that if there's someone that the Father will have heard the prayer and answer is Jesus' prayer. And He prayed for you and He prayed for me. Those of us that would believe because of the testimony of the disciples centuries later, Jesus prayed that you and I can experience this oneness today. What a wonderful way to begin each morning with the assurance that this experience can be ours, can be mine. I pray that this um, small meditation on the Lord's Prayer has been encouraging and a blessing for you. I look forward to meeting you again in our next episode as we continue looking at the Lord's Prayer in Pray ER through Devotional. God bless, and if this has been a blessing, share it with your friends. I hope to see you soon. God bless.